Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Good morning everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas to you all. Ah, oh, is that what you say? Well, for some of us in this room, or maybe even for one person in this room, this is your first Christmas in a church and you are yet to know Christ. For some of us, this may be your first Christmas as a believer and Merry Christmas to you. To some of us, this may be your fifth, some your tenth, some your thirtieth or over. And Merry Christmas to you too. But the question I want to start by asking this morning is, how do we preserve the life-changing or striking reality of the babe in the manger? How do you preserve this great story that you've heard over and over again and there's no plot twists, there's no side entrances that you are not aware of, there's no sequel, it's one story every Christmas, every year. How do you preserve this great story? For those who know this story, how has your response been to it? You say you know this, Jesus. You, you love this babe in the manger who would be the lamb that was slain for you. How has your response been to him? The Apostle Paul would argue that our response must be that of submission. It must be that of humility. And he would define it for us. He would argue that we must have the mind of Christ who set aside his own life, his throne in heaven, as an act of total obedience to the will of the Father, to the power of the Spirit. This Jesus, he veiled his glory, choosing to occupy the position of a slave, taking the likeness of a man, submitting to the limitations that came with being a man, while he was the creator of all things, while all things were made by him, through him, and for him, Finally, obeying the Father even to the point of death, death on a cross. The Apostle Paul would argue that this is the type of commitment that we are to have, the, the same commitment that Jesus had in obeying his Father. Is that true of you? I'd like to argue this morning that if it isn't true of you, then there is something that hasn't sunk to your heart about the reality of Jesus. There is something that, that isn't driving you. I mean, the Apostle Paul again says it is the love of Christ that constrains him. What is it that constrains you? And so, how does the same old story, the story of the wise men, the shepherd boys, Mary and Joseph, the Lamb of God wrapped in swaddling cloth, how does this story breathe life into your faith on the 25th of December, 2023? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. And we'll read from verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, from verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 reads, since then, we have a great high priest who has 
passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so now let's approach that very throne and ask for help as we come to the preaching of his word. And so Lord Jesus, we firstly want to come and say thank you. Thank you for your obedience to the Father in leaving the throne of God in heaven coming, becoming a man. You are the God-man. You lived on this earth. You, you, you experienced fatigue. You experienced a heartache, tears, hunger, thirst. Lord, you experienced all these things and you even experienced death. Lord Jesus, the, the God whom we celebrate who was on this day many years ago, maybe not the specific day, but when he was born, Lord, he was born to die. This Jesus whom we celebrate, his birth was a perfect birth and his death was a perfect death. And so as we gather here, Lord, we do ask that you would reignite our faith, Lord. Won't you, won't you fan to flame the, the reality of Jesus in our hearts? Lord, I pray that we would leave this place with the joy of our salvation restored. And God, I do ask if there is someone in this room who who is yet to know of this awesome Savior, I do ask that this morning you would save them. Please be merciful to them. I pray that your word would penetrate their hearts and bring their dead souls to life, that they could come to the shepherd experiencing the great joys it is to have Jesus as their high priest. And so God, I pray even as I speak, that God, you you would help me to guard my tongue That God, I I would keep away from erroneous thoughts that may come to my mind, but help me, Lord, to speak only that which is true of your word. Lord, I pray that you would lead me and guide me. And Lord, I pray even for those receiving your word, that God, they would receive with gladness and with joy. But God, I also pray that they would soften their hearts. That Lord, if there is areas where they they need to come to the throne of grace and, and seek your forgiveness, Lord, I pray that they would come. Lord, if they've walked away from you, Lord, I pray that this is the service that you call them back. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning, I titled my sermon, Jesus Says, Hold Fast and Draw Near. Hold Fast and Come Near. The message this morning is a simple message. Many have come to Jesus Many have claimed to love this Jesus. They, they know the story of his birth and, and some have even taught it in Sunday school or maybe have been taught by it or taught of it at high school, but they've walked away from the faith. And so this Christmas, I, I want to encourage you. In fact, I, I want to appeal to you that as we remember the babe in Bethlehem, as we remember the babe in the manger, hold fast to our confession. Come boldly to the throne of grace. And so my first point is exactly that. Let us hold fast to our confession. Verse 14 again reads, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. The the author here has been making a great argument. 
Uh, in fact, I, I want to encourage you, if, if you are looking for some good holiday reading, go and read the book of Hebrews. It is an amazing book. It is a book that is, is rich in Christology. If you want to know about the person, if you want to know about the work, if you want to know about the heart of Christ, Hebrews is a great book. Now, now we find ourselves in, in the middle of an argument and, and, and the, the author here says, since then, seeing then, we have a great high priest. And so, and so I want to quickly bring us up to speed of how do we get to this since then. This since then is amazing because when we get to since then, we, we look back and see what are, the, what are the, the problems and the benefits, and then we can look forward again and see what the benefits are. And so we need to first look back. And so the first thing we need to see is since then, you need a priest. In chapter 3, if you just flip a page back in verse 16, it reads, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. In chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Church, Christmas is not all about lights and laughs. Christmas is an answer to a fatal disease. Christmas is not all about gifts, gammon, and seven colors. Christmas is a siren of the severity of the problem of man. In fact, when I was driving here, an illustration came to my mind about, about how I remember in high school. When, when I was in high school and, and just going about my business in school, and I saw my mom at the school, immediately my heart was afraid. Because the first thing I thought is, surely I'm in trouble for my mom to have to come here herself. What did I do? And so I want to remind you that Christmas is also a siren that the problem was so severe that God himself had to come. We weren't just broken in need of mending. We didn't make a mistake that needed a manager to come and rectify it like, like the managers at Checkers who respond to void. The problem was great. We were born morally corrupt. We were enslaved to sin. We were at enmity with God. We were unable to please Him. The intention of our hearts were evil from youth. Our minds were futile. Our passions drove us. Out of our hearts came evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Church, we did evil things. We hated the light in the pride of our face as the wicked. We did not seek God. All our thoughts were there is no God. We needed help. We had a curse over our heads and church, no amount of cleansing, no amount of sacrifice, no amount of incense, which is impepo or snafe, could cure this cure. 
We have a debt that no amount of money, no amount of good deeds, like reading the Bible, coming to church, feeding the needy could cover. We needed a savior. We needed God. Church, we needed the Son of God. God, the second person of the Trinity, we needed him to intervene. God had to step into history. Like the nation Israel, we were disobedient in our disbelief. And our passage is clear that those who remain disobedient in disbelief will not enter his rest. They will perish in their sins. They will experience the fullness of the wrath of God. The writer to the Hebrews was writing to a people who knew. This morning, I am speaking to a people who know. I am speaking to a people who are churched, a people who have heard the gospel, a people who probably even from birth, you've heard the story about the baby in the manger. But I'm also speaking to a people who know and a people who've responded differently. Some have responded to this message by hardening their hearts and remain in unbelief. Some showed shoots, they showed signs of faith. We were excited, we worshipped with them, but when the troubles of the world came, they fell away. And that's the point. Those who fell away in the wilderness were those who followed Moses. They, They had borne witness of what God did in Egypt, and yet still, in their unbelief, they walked away from God. They did not enter his rest. And therefore, church of the living God, I want to say, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Church, the way to God is narrow. It is marked with holiness. It is marked with righteousness. It is marked with faith. Things we cannot achieve on our own. We need a priest. We need someone who understands our plight, someone who gets our need. Basically, we need someone who is like us, someone who can stand between God and us, someone to intercede to God on our behalf, taking our offerings for sin before the very throne room of God, seeking forgiveness and making atonement for our sins. Abraham had Melchizedek. The nation Israel had Aaron and his sons. Joshua had Eliezer. All the priests who would go into the most holy place behind the veil stand before God. Having already made a sacrifice for themselves, they would then make a sacrifice for the people. They would bring the blood into the holy of holies, sprinkle it on the mercy seat, making atonement for sins committed. Who do we have? Who do we have that can go before us and represent us to God? Should we look for descendants of Levi? Should we join the Jews, maybe adopt a synagogue and observe Yom Kippur with them and their priests? Should we maybe look for a priest in our neighborhood like Mboro or Mejawan? Or should we? Look to connect with Inyanga or Isangoma so that they can appeal for us to our ancestors, so that our ancestors can appeal for us to God. Who do we have? Who will make our appeal to God for us? 
Well, the author to the Hebrews would say none of those people. He says, since then. Since then, we have a great high priest who, after making purification for sin, for sins, had sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. He is the only begotten of the Father and is worshipped by angels. His kingdom is an everlasting one. He has loved righteousness and hated wickedness. He is anointed by God. He is the founder of our salvation. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. He is better than Moses and faithful over God's house. He is better than Aaron. His name is Jesus. He is our great high priest. Church, you have Jesus. And Jesus, as the priest of God, he is the mouthpiece of God. He is the living word of God. And so it is he who will bring men to God. Jesus, as the high priest, knew something that no other priest did. He knew God perfectly and he knew man perfectly. Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, became man to fulfill his priestly duties on earth. And church, as a great high priest, Jesus needed no atonement. Jesus needed no forgiveness for his own sins, for he was tempted at all points, yet without sin. Jesus would come to earth, being fully God and fully man, to attain for us blood for the forgiveness of sins. Not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of the spotless lamb of God. He would sprinkle his own blood on the mercy seat of God in heaven. Not in a tabernacle made with human hands, but in the very presence of God. He would sprinkle his own blood once. Not every year during Yom Kippur, once. Not every year like Aaron and Co. once. One God-man, one sacrifice, one high priest, one atonement, one people, a forgiven people by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so church, Jesus, through his perfect life, would achieve for us perfect righteousness. A righteousness that you could strive for day by day but never achieve. A righteousness that is demanded by the law but is a curse to us because we could never achieve or we could never keep it at all points. But Jesus did. Jesus kept the whole law for the glory of God and church. It is that righteousness of Jesus that was imputed. It is that righteousness of Jesus that was transferred. You know that SMS you like to receive in month end? We got that SMS from God and the SMS read, paid in full. Your account is rich with the righteousness of Christ. This is the beauty of Christmas. We don't have Easter without Christmas. We don't have the Ascension without Christmas. We don't have Pentecost Sunday without Christmas. The birth of Jesus Christ is paramount for our faith. So church, don't lose the meaning of Christmas. 
It is not about gifts, gammon, steak, choice assorted mayonnaise and baked beans. It is not about family and great vacations. Christmas is about Jesus. And so today, church, put Christ back in Christmas. Talk about Jesus around the table. Talk around Jesus around the, the choice assorted. When you watch the cheesy Christmas chick flick, talk about Jesus. Bring Jesus back into Christmas. Let him be seated at the table with you. And so verse 14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Since then we have this great high priest. Church, this is my appeal to you. Hold fast to your confession. Hold fast to the hope that you have in Jesus. Hold fast to the reality of the Savior. Hold fast to the reality that our Savior is risen. He is Jesus the Christ. Hold fast to your faith. Hold fast to that faith that He gave us as a gift inwardly, but we profess outwardly. Church, if we have a great high priest in the babe of Bethlehem, then surely you must tell the world. Surely Christmas is an easy opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. And so as you hold fast to your confession, make Jesus known. Church, hold fast to your confession because there are others who exist. There are others who live among you, church. It even may be possible that these others are seated right next to you. Maybe not this morning. But they may be seated right next to you at some point on a Sunday and they will eagerly and they will skillfully be leading others astray, promoting another gospel. Hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't know that gospel, if you don't hold fast to that gospel, then you too, my friend, may fall away. Hold fast to Jesus that you may endure to the end. And church, this is our hope, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who, is in, every, who, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. John Piper wrote so well, and I have it on the board there, that Jesus knows the battle. He fought it all the way to the end. He defeated the monster every time. So he was tested like we are, and the Bible says he is a sympathetic high priest. He does not roll his eyes at your pain or cluck his tongue at your struggle with sin. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, again, if you just turn two pages back or a page back, in chapter 2, verse 17, he says, he had to be made like his brothers. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Church, Jesus knows. Jesus cares and Jesus paid. Jesus knows, Jesus cares and Jesus paid. 
And so every time you hear that lie by the devil that Jesus does not care, that no one understands you, no one will ever get what you are going through, I want you to refute it. Refute it with the truth that Jesus cares. The omniscient, second person of the Trinity already knew what your struggles would be. He already knew those struggles with sin. He already knew those struggles with your trials. But in his love, in his mercy, he went through it too so that he can comfort you that he knows. He knows that struggle with sin. He knows that pain that you are currently feeling at the death of a loved one. He knows that pain that you've experienced from being betrayed or from being rejected. He knows that that pain of the reality of injustice and suffering unjustly. Jesus knows what it feels like to be canceled. He knows what it feels like to be isolated and left alone. Church, Jesus knows the God of the universe, infinitely holy, transcended in glory and majesty. The God who spoke everything into being became a created being so that he can say to you, I know. So that he could die in obedience to God the Father, and so that he can say to us, I have been there. I know exactly how you feel, and you can come to me. Church, that is your God. That is your God who cares for you. And since then, you have a great high priest Hold fast. Hold fast to your confession. Hold fast to your faith and hope in Jesus. So what does it look like practically to hold fast to your confession? My second and last point. Let us come to the throne of grace. Verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The curtain when Jesus had died on the cross was torn in two from top to bottom. The sacrifice was accepted by God as sufficient. The penalty was paid. The way to God was open, but the condition was faith. It is only those, it is only those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who have access into his throne of grace. We who believe in Jesus can come boldly to his throne. We can come boldly into his presence because of his grace, because the work was accomplished by Jesus, but the favor is lavished on us. So church, we must come boldly Come boldly to the throne, but also come on your knees. Come holding fast our confession. Come in confidence. Come. Whatever that sin is, come. Whatever that trial is, come. However long it has been since you've walked away from Jesus, 
come. Whoever you are, come. Christ the Savior is born and he bids you come. Just the throne of grace remains a throne of judgment for you if you reject Jesus. If you reject Jesus, you assume that your own works will get you favor with God. You assume that your good works are sufficient to pay for your own sins. That, my friend, is far from the truth. Your good works are filthy rags. They are good for nothing. They will only keep you bound by sin and bound in sin. They also keep you bound to hell. But the throne of judgment is a throne of grace for us, dear believers, because of Jesus. And so this morning, I wanted to remind you as the year draws to a close and as we celebrate the babe in the manger, I want to invite you to come and receive mercy. Come and find grace to help you in your season of need. You need Jesus to be saved. You need Jesus to stay saved. You need Jesus to be safe from the fiery darts of the devil, which means you can never leave the throne of grace. You must forever come. So will not you heed the words this morning of the sermon? Hold fast to your confession and come boldly to the throne of grace. I asked in the beginning of the sermon, how do we preserve the life-changing or striking reality of the baby in the manger? Well, the answer is simple. We need to remember how great our need was. We need to remember with praise how great our Savior is. His name is Jesus. He is our great high priest. Amen? Let's pray. And so even before I pray for us, I would like to read a, two verses from a hymn. And so with with your eyes closed, you can just listen to the words. It says, Come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. If you tarry till you better, you will never come at all. Not the righteousness, sorry, not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners come to call. Lo, the incarnate God ascended, Pleads the merit of his blood. Venture on him, venture wholly. Let no other trust intrude. None but Jesus, none but Jesus can do helpless sinners good. And so God, even as we come to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you that the work of our salvation was completed in the fact that, Lord, we are now justified, but, Lord, you are also still completing it, that as we are being sanctified, you remain with us. But, God, as you remain with us, we can hold fast to the hope of our confession and that we have a great high priest who is currently seated at the right hand of the Father praying for us, praying for us by name, 
praying for us intentionally, praying for us with an intimate knowledge of exactly what it is we are going through, exactly what it feels like to suffer fighting that great fight against our sin. We can come to you, Jesus. Thank you that Lord, we can come to you as our great high priest. Thank you that through your perfect and finished work, we have access into the very throne room of God. We can make our requests known to you, and God, you hear them. And so God, I pray for everyone in this room that God, you'd, you'd return to us that great joy of being saved. But as we remember the babe in the manger, God, may we remember that day by day, on those days that are not Christmas, on those days when not everybody is talking about Jesus, on those days we still have you. We still have you as our great high priest. We can come to you. And so, God, I pray that all who are in this room would come. Those who don't know you to come for forgiveness, and those who know you to come and find mercy and grace in their times of need. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.